Hello and welcome back to the Firestarters Podcast. I am Colin, here with Joe. What it do? And we watched actual NFL football. There are scores on the oh board. Oh my god. <laughs> Fantasy teams have won and lost games. Uh, we are doing a week one recap. Let's chop it up. Welcome to episode 8 of the Firestarters podcast. It is Monday, September 13th. It is 8.17pm. We are in the second quarter of Monday Night Football. Uh, Raiders versus Ravens. What's cracking, Joe? Raheem Mostert didn't last 34 offensive seconds into the 2021 <laughs> NFL season. Nope. There's been a lot of turmoil brought to the fantasy realm with Mostert going down in what was such a juicy matchup against the Detroit Lions. And with that, we might as well kick it off with injuries from week one. Starting off in the Thursday night game, uh, Michael Gallup, Dallas wide receiver, is going to be out three to five weeks with a calf strain. And like I said, uh, Reem Mostert, running back for the San Francisco 49ers, lands on IR for at least eight weeks with chipped knee cartilage. That sounds like it hurts a lot. It sounds like it would <laughs> be difficult to even cause to happen. I've never I heard think, that as a injury before. I think Mackay Becton also left with a similar injury. I'm pretty sure he left with the cartilage damage dislocated kneecap jesus out four to six weeks yeah i Ouch. feel bad for that one there's a video of him getting carted off and he's in tears and you can read his lips saying i was doing so good bro and so, he was so that, that one hurts it's gut punch uh washington football team uh quarterback ryan fitzpatrick out six to eight weeks with a hip subluxation Ouch. Doesn't sound good. Hips, no, no. always bad. Uh, Denver wide receiver Jerry Judy out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. And that's Tough. like the main ones. And then uh, we talked about Makai Becton. Uh, Rashad Penny, Seattle's backup running back, out a couple weeks with a re-aggravated calf injury. And uh, cornerback Jeffrey Okuda. Of the Detroit Lions over the season with a torn Achilles. I feel like that one wasn't reported as much as some of these higher profile ones, even though this was like a first round draft pick last year, like one of the high picks, Okuda. And I, I just feel like that that should be a bigger deal. I mean, I, he, he was pretty good last year, and we're hoping to see kind of a step up from Okuda and, and leading that. Detroit defense, but unfortunately goes down and is going to be out for the year. Yeah, Detroit defense that needs all the help that it can get. I mean, just the lack of names since Ndamukong Sue left has just left that team in shambles on the defensive side of the ball. But this is what it is. You got to move yeah. forward. Next man up. 
And with all these injuries, next man up is a big thing in fantasy football because those guys that are the next man up become the target in your waiver wire pickups. So pickups that you're going to see being grabbed uh, come Wednesday when the waivers go through. Uh, some of the ones that will be common based on the injuries that happened. Uh, you'll probably see Dallas wide receiver Cedric Wilson get picked up for Michael Gallup going out. He had three receptions on three targets for 24 yards Thursday night against the Bucks. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, the running back for San Francisco, who filled in for Mostert, totaled 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. We'll touch on that game later. There's a lot to unpack there. Then naturally, you got Taylor Heineke. Uh, he entered in the second quarter when Fitz went out for the Washington football team. Uh, finished the game 11 for 15, 122 yards and a, uh, one touchdown. So pretty respectable there. And then with Jerry Judy going out, uh, you'll see the likes of Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler uh, both getting picked up. And then as far as other pickups that have just been like, oh, ooh, oh, this guy kind of went off type of pickups. The guys that uh, will you'll you'll see get picked up pretty much based on their performance. Uh, the Saints tight end slash wide receiver Jawan Johnson, uh, three for three, twenty one yards, two touchdowns in New Orleans route of the Green Bay Packers down in Jacksonville. Uh, Minnesota wide receiver KJ Osborne, uh, seven for nine, seventy six yards, really good showing in Cincinnati. Uh, Van Jefferson. It was, was the talk of the town for a lot going into this Rams team. Your and guy. Just because that third ride receiver spot that was Josh Reynolds last year and was definitely up for grabs going into this year. Uh, we weren't sure if it would be Van, uh, if you'd see Deshaun Jackson taking over that spot now that he was brought in or what. But Van turned out a pretty big day. Uh, two receptions on three targets, 80 yards, one touchdown. He had a 67-yard touchdown catch to lead the game off against the Bears last night. And then uh, Quintus Cephas uh, led Detroit in targets behind TJ Hawkinson. Uh, he led all their wide receivers in targets. Uh, he was 3-for-7 for 12 yards. He had a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And I think Tyrell Williams left that game early. Shocker. So yep. that, wide receiver, that wide receiver core is up for grabs. Yeah. Um, the the biggest one, Elijah Mitchell, he went off yeah. in that game. And it, it's the kind of guy that can do what Raheem Mostert does because he has that burst and that breakaway speed like Mostert does. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you'll be seeing him kind of fill in that role rather than a Jamichael Hasty or even Trey Sermon obviously was a scratch for the, that last game. Mm -hmm. Heineke, Heineke should be serviceable. Uh, he was pretty good down the stretch last year. He played pretty well in that playoff game against the Bucks. So yep. that should, uh, should be something to look out for. Definitely going to be getting scooped up in leagues. Uh, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, uh, Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler both outperformed Cortland Sutton already. Yeah, which was a little surprising considering Sutton yeah. 
was like the original guy there goes down last year and then all these other rookie guys came in and I don't I mean you got Teddy Bridgewater who's never played with these guys you know if it was Drew Locke you could kind of see it expect that sort of rapport with the guys that have been there so yeah it's kind kind of interesting to see what that uh Denver offense that Denver wide receiver group really looks like going forward yeah and then last week we were talking about the New Orleans tight end situation we were wondering if Taysom Hill was going to get some run there or Troutman or Juwan Johnson Juwan Johnson was the one that popped uh Osborne kind of a surprise not no real hype kind of before he came out but seven receptions 76 yards is really really solid especially in PPR and then Van Jefferson would have been good in PPR or standard because he had the touchdown he had the yards I mean he didn't have a ton of receptions but it didn't really matter at the end of the day if he's going to be Stafford's deep shot guy I mean he wasn't hitting Deshaun Jackson like if that's that's Van Jefferson baby that's my the delivery (laughs) driver baby and then Quintez Cephas, I don't know how many uh, targets are going to be available to Detroit wide receivers, but, I mean, he got seven of them. He only hauled in three. He had a pretty nice toe tap in the end zone. I'm not sure if it was a two-point conversion of the touchdown that I'm thinking of, but, yeah, uh, a couple guys that are worth using your waiver position on. I mean, I would be looking at Van Jefferson – probably Tim Patrick, Elijah Mitchell, uh, and Heineke are probably the guys that I'm most interested in. I would agree. Uh, I think Gallup is going to be back in a few weeks, so Cedric Wilson probably isn't going to be there very long, and he's still going to be third on the pecking order, maybe fourth. So I'd stay away from some of these, but, yeah, the the Tim Patrick, Van Jefferson – Elijah Mitchell, Taylor Heineke. That that's that's the four guys I'm most interested in. Yeah, and then the KJ Osborne is the one to just really keep an eye on as the season goes on. Um Adam Thielen's known to tweak a hamstring here and there. So if he were to miss time at all, KJ Osborne's stock would probably shoot through the roof. Um he still had seven catches for seventy six yards. I mean, granted, the game script in that game kind of went away from Dalvin uh, as the Vikings got down, but still a guy worth picking up if you're in 12, 14 team leagues. Yeah, especially as um, defenses start levying towards Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. It's going to give him a lot of room to work. All right, let's talk about room to work in this, this first thursday night football game that we haven't touched on yet because these playmakers were a plenty everybody we had some so oh go ahead i'd i'd say for a majority we had some big winners in this game yes we will be covering winners losers i'll be covering outliers that you probably won't be seeing performances like that again and then I'll be taking a look at more of the the guys that kind of underperformed and whether you should be, you know, overreacting, not overreacting, 
You're just like keeping an eye on the situation. So who's your biggest winner for this Cowboys Buccaneers game? Um, the guy I got listed at the top is Dak Prescott. Uh, granted they lost the game, but Dak looked extremely comfortable and extremely poised in the pocket. Uh, the shoulder didn't look like an issue. The ankle didn't look like an issue. I mean, he, he threw 58 times. He was 42 for 58, 403, three touchdowns. Uh, he, had, he did have one interception, but it came off of a tipped ball by CeeDee Lamb across the middle. It was in traffic, but the ball was in Lamb's hands. So I don't really put that on deck. It should have been a caught ball. And then he added four carries for 13 yards. I mean, outside of the loss, like from a fantasy perspective, fantastic. He was incredible. Um, and I mean, you're playing the Bucks, so it's like the loss kind of is expected. Granted, probably not for the Dallas fans, but I mean, <laughs> the Bucks just won the Super Bowl, so. Yeah, I I also I the winner was the Cowboys passing game. Yeah. Because yeah, Dak serviced the wide receiver one for this week. Uh expecting yeah, expecting that there's not gonna be a wide receiver that outperforms thirty eight point nine PPR points from Amari Cooper. He had thirteen catches on sixteen targets, hundred thirty nine yards and two touchdowns. Crazy, crazy game from Amari Cooper. Back from injury and he looks great uh and then the wide receiver 12 cd lamb 24.6 ppr points seven receptions on 15 targets 104 yards and a touchdown so this cowboys passing game is looking deadly once again because last year they came out the gates and dak was throwing for 400 <laughs> 500 yards a game and it <laughs> it looks like he hasn't missed a beat I mean, Gordon Hayward came back from that that <laughs> ankle injury, and he looked like a shell of himself. Yeah. So it was like feasible to think that that Dak could look like that as well. But he he doesn't look like he missed a step in the passing game. He looked a little slow, obviously on yeah. his runs. But I mean, you know, the guy's foot wasn't attached to his lower <laughs> leg like a year ago. So. I am so impressed with Dak and, and that passing game. And I think the, the Cowboys will be pretty impressive this year, especially from an offense and fantasy perspective. Yeah, and I think this offense is going to put up close to 30 points a game. I mean, Tampa Bay is a top three defense in the league, and you've seen what they did. I mean, they were just going after whoever was guarding the X receiver over and over and over. I, th I think they had like six straight targets I think to that X receiver in one drive and I mean they it was unstoppable Dak could put the ball anywhere these guys are so good at adjusting to the ball Amari Cooper was fantastic he had a sliding catch in the end zone and then I mean CD Lamb yards after the catch just making guys miss his offense is going to be good and produce a lot of fantasy points this year so let's talk about your biggest loser from that game i do have more winners want to hit oh, more winners all right I'd, I'd love to hear some more winners so the for the tampa bay side leonard fournette the guy got the start at running back nine carries 32 yards and then he was pretty much the back involved 
in the passing game. I mean, Gio Bernard seen the field, I think, once uh, in the air. Nah. Two catches on three targets, 12 yards. And Fournette, five catches on seven targets, 27 yards. Uh, granted, he did have one slip through his hands. Uh, that ended up getting picked off. But Fournette had the reins of this backfield for, I'd say, 90% of this game. Yeah, um, the the thing about that Bruce Arians backfield is if you fumble, you're just going to be on the pine for the rest of the game. And so Rojo coughed one up, and so it was Lenny's day from then on. Uh, Gio was coming off of that, that ankle sprain. So that's why I think he didn't see very much work based on that. And he was getting, he got a little bit of that during garbage time at, uh, not even, not garbage time. Shouldn't say garbage time. No. He got some of that at the end of the game in the fourth quarter when Tom Brady needed a trusted set of hands coming out of the backfield, yep. whether he was a little hampered or not. So, yeah, I, I expect to see Gio a little more as he gets healthier, but Fournette definitely probably has a hold on that backfield and then yeah like you alluded to uh the biggest loser for this game on the tampa Bay's perspective was ronald jones i mean he only had four carries for 14 yards and he coughed up that fumble which pretty much brought dallas right back into that game and uh, was the reason they actually had the lead in the game so rojo yeah. gotta gotta protect the ball yeah, a lot of turnovers from Tampa Bay, and it almost swung the game towards Dallas. So it it was a, a little bit uncharacteristic, I want to say, of Tampa Bay yeah. based on last season how how buttoned up they were. I mean, Tom had a couple picks in in the championship game, but outside of that, they were pretty clean. So they were they were coughing up the ball a lot and still came away with the win and so pretty impressive out of them uh my my biggest loser was mike evans he looks like he's pretty firmly the third guy in the pecking order when it comes to targets i mean i'll, I'll still my outlier is gronk i'll, I'll just yeah. i'll just say that yeah. ahead of time but uh mike evans i say is it seems like tom like actually likes Antonio Brown and as a receiver Antonio Brown was my other winner for this Tampa Bay team I mean five right. for 721 yards one touchdown they even mixed it up got him a carry for six yards I this guy was living with Tom Brady at one point right. <laughs> so it's like you know he's gotta like him he still is extremely talented I mean you've seen him he just like it it wasn't really a slant and go it was like a I don't know. It was he like let, a hezzy. It was he, like a, <laughs> he, he, just, he, he like walked six steps and then just started sprinting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Brady just dropped it over the top to him. It was, it was really a bizarre route. So yeah. nonchalant. It, it's almost like he was like coming up to fake block, but he didn't do any of the action to fake block. He just like walked up to him and then just took off. Go on. And I was like, oh, all right. See ya. <laughs> But yeah, and then Godwin is kind of the, the the type of receiver that Tom Brady likes, where he is the underneath threat and he can get the run after catch and he can catch contested underneath throws with the guy on his hip. And so I 
definitely I Mike Evans will have his games. He always does, but it seems like Antonio Brown takes a step up. I mean, it's just a little bit fishy for Mike Evans. And I I had Mike Evans in my don't overreact. I mean, he's still seen six targets. Antonio Brown's seen seven. And two of his targets were tipped. And if they weren't tipped, they would have probably been pretty big gains. I mean, there was one where he was on the sideline and the defender jumped up backwards and got a hand on it. And if he doesn't touch that ball, Mike Evans might have had a 60-yard touchdown off that one play. So you you did see it last year. I mean, he... For we were called him the two catches for two yards, two touchdowns guy. Yep. But yep. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about Mike Evans. This passing attack is Brady's always gonna be calling his own number to throw the ball, so it's I wouldn't look too much into it right now. Alright. That that's understandable. I'm overreacting. You're telling me not to. I mean three catches, six targets, twenty four yards. I mean, you're you're right on those two if he catches those two. It's probably looking a lot more like five catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown. So yeah, we could be looking at a whole different game. If it's a three inches of difference. And exactly. that's why they call football game inches. Exactly. Uh, but my outlier is Rob Gronkowski, the tight end one for this week, pending the Raiders game where Darren Waller is just getting force fed the ball. <laughs> I think he has, he might have 10 targets by halftime. Uh, but Gronk has 29 PPR points. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to say this isn't going to happen again. No. Uh, the, the last time he had more than 25 PPR points was week nine of 2017 against the Jets. So it's it, this isn't a thing. <laughs> eight, eight for eight, 90 yards, two touchdowns is yeah. pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that is... Vintage I, Gronk. Exactly. And that's why I don't see Gronk as anything more than a streamer tight end still. I mean, if, Yep, if, and again, it is the Cowboys defense. They're, we're playing mainly against a rookie linebacker in Micah Parsons who they they were playing a certain coverage. A lot of people saw the, the clip of Micah Parsons kind of biting up on the play action and yeah fading back and looking for the crosser that's the type of coverage they want him to play on play action which is kind of why dallas's defense is so bad Mm -hmm. so it so they can just drop it in behind the linebackers so if you're streaming tight ends look at who's playing against the cowboys because they'll probably have a game like this yeah and and that's what you want to target uh Two years ago, Arizona was that defense, and it was like every single tight end that they played had 80 to 100 yards and a touchdown, and, yep. and, and it didn't matter what team it was. It was, it was just consistent. Um, you want to move on to our second game of the slate? I I got a couple more. I think we got to right. we got to talk about Zeke. We got to talk about Zeke. You're and, not wrong. And I put Zeke as another guy. Don't overreact. This game script, when Dak's throwing 58 times, you can't expect Zeke to get 16 to 20 carries in a game. And the Bucs' front seven is really good. So, I mean, it's no surprise that he didn't have much room to work. 
Uh, once you get behind, you naturally go away from the run, no matter how good Zeke is. Uh, I would have liked to see them try to swing him out of the backfield a little more on some wheel routes. Uh, but when those receivers were clicking so good that there was no need to try to force Zeke the ball when your other playmakers are making plays. And my last thing for this game was my other loser was uh, Greg Zerline. Dallas <laughs> <laughs> kicker. He is three for five uh, on field goals, two for three on extra points, and was consistently being referred to a wounded animal <laughs> on Twitter as this game was going on. So poor Greg Yo, Zerline. When Mike McCarthy trotted him out for that 60-yard <laughs> field goal after he doinked a extra point and missed like a 30-yarder, I was like, come on. Have some. Let the guy have some dignity. Punt the ball. <laughs> Why are we doing this to him? I know his nickname is Greg the Leg, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So that that was the rest I had on this game. Yeah, I on on the Zeke part. I mean, I wouldn't be worried about Zeke either. They're playing the number one run defense from last year. Uh, it it'll be fine. Yeah, Tony Pollard was getting some positive game script because they were passing the ball a lot, but he still didn't get touches. I mean, you got all these receivers. There's no need to throw swing passes when you can push it downfield. Uh, Zeke will be fine. Don't panic. Yeah, so somebody that might need to panic. The Atlanta Falcons lost 6-32 to against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my biggest winner in this game are Eagles fans. <laughs> That's fair. Because Jalen Hurts looked very good, uh, very efficient. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith also looked very good. Really and good. Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and that backfield looked good. So something I, – I don't know if the Falcons are awful or if – the Eagles might be sneaky decent, but I mean, if I was an Eagles fan, I'd be happy after this game. I'd, well, I'll leave it there. As I said many times in the offseason, I need to see what this team looks like before I can make any, cast any sort of judgment. And uh, Jalen Hurts was by far my biggest winner. He was what fantasy managers were hoping he would be coming into this season. A dual-threat quarterback with the ability to rush and the ability to make plays with his arm. He was 27 for 35, 264 yards, three touchdowns, then seven carries for 62 yards. Um, right now, he's the QB4 on the week, uh, barring what Lamar Jackson does and... This is why people were putting him as a top 10 quarterback going into the year. Yeah, uh, he was very efficient in his throwing. Like you said, he he was, a, what was the uh, completion two attempts? 27 for 35. I mean, yeah. that's... So, very efficient. He was, he was throwing a lot of short passes, 3.7 air yards per attempt. But that's because the Falcons were playing super soft coverage. And the backs, they have three backs that can catch out of the backfield mm-hmm. with Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott. So they're just taking what you're giving them. 
and that's exactly what you want an NFL quarterback to do. You don't want him to be forcing it and then making bad things happen. You want him to be quick, decisive decisions. You want him to be efficient, and that's exactly what Jalen Hurts did. He looked like a competent NFL quarterback, and that's all I can ask for. Yeah, and with that offense just humming, uh, my second winner was Kenneth Gainwell, who a lot of people thought was going to be the third RB in this depth chart, and he's clearly the two. Uh, nine carries, 37 yards, one touchdown, uh, two catches on three targets for six yards. He came in, and he got the job done. And what's surprising is Boston Scott didn't even see the field. Um, so that was my biggest loser. You thought it was going to, going into this game, everyone thought it was going to be a timeshare between Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and then Kenneth Gainwell being the afterthought. But that wasn't the case at all. Boston Scott was literally not out there. Yeah, I when they drafted Kenneth Gainwell, I was kind of wondering what they would do because he's basically like a Boston Scott clone. So yeah. I was wondering how they're kind of split them up, but yeah, I, I guess they're just gonna give him the roster spot and let Boston Scott be his uh, veteran mentor. Because like Boston Scott filled in for Miles Sanders last year, and he produced like Miles Sanders would produce. So it it was very surprising to just see them not do anything with them. Granted, they really didn't need to. They could go with these young guys, considering the game was in their hands the entire time. Which also leads to my other loser, which is Arthur Smith, that mm. Atlanta head coach. This is opening day at home, and you put up six points. You're supposed yeah. to be this offensive-minded coach, and you get shut out in the second half. And all you do is put up two field goals in the first half. Yeah, it's really confusing because we'll touch on it later, but the Titans look so bad, too, that, like, if you only watched the Titans game, you might have thought, ah, oh, it's because Arthur Smith left. But then you look at this game, and Arthur Smith is coaching this team, yeah. and they also sucked. So I, my, my biggest loser was the Falcons' weapons because this offense looks like it has no idea what it's doing. Yeah. And it's like Matt Ryan – is looking older he's looking slower i so i i don't know it's like every year he takes this small small step backwards and it looked like a little bit bigger of a step than usual in this off season but uh, hopefully this was a one game aberration i and, i don't know and that's that was my don't overreact my don't overreact to this is the falcons offense i mean when you've got Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, I mean, Kyle Pitts was supposed to be this generation, you know, tight end. The offense is going to come. They added a lot of new pieces. You lose Julio, who was the staple in the offense, and then now you got Arthur Smith, who's the new head coach, the offensive mind. Things are going to be different. So I, I'm not freaking out about the offense. Even though Matt Ryan, 164 passing yards is atrocious but you've seen it before yeah. he'll put up those four point games so it's it's something you got to deal with calvin ridley will be fine he still had eight targets kyle pitts will be fine he had eight targets it, the yardage just really wasn't there um, 
I, I don't really know what the problem was. Uh, Mike Davis, 15 carries, 49 yards. He was clearly the top back. Uh, Cordell Patterson mixed in. I think he had like seven carries for 50-some yards, but you're not ever going to give Patterson like 15 to 20 rushing attempts in a game. He's that gadget guy, just a big play type of guy. So there's pieces on this Falcons offense. I wouldn't worry about it too much. I wonder if all of my biggest losers are going to be your don't overreact. (laughs) It's very possible. Uh, Yeah, but my outlier is low Calvin Ridley scoring because that's probably not going to be a thing very often. The targets are there. The game in the first drive was looking like one of those Calvin Ridley games where Mm -hmm. you're going to get like 25 PPR points. And then the Falcons couldn't establish a run game. Offense barely touched the field, lots of three and outs. I mean, it seemed like the Eagles were on the field this entire game. And, like, every time Red Zone switched over to this game, it's like, oh, the Eagles have the ball again. Like, I'd like to watch Calvin Ridley, like, for a little Mm -hmm. bit, and Kyle Pitts, you know, and maybe Mike Davis in this. No, no, we're going to watch the Eagles. But got a lot of a lot of air time for Devontae Smith, and I'm not mad about that. Yeah, they they didn't look bad. Which no, right. So, so yeah, your biggest winner, the Eagles fans. I like that. Yeah. So Calvin Ridley, I'll just put it out there. Seven games without Julio. Ridley averaged seven catches, 109 yards, and a half a touchdown a game. So Can't Ridley ask. will be fine. Can't ask for more. No, and Pitts will also be fine. He had he was tied for second most targets. I guess he'll be third most targets in tight ends for this uh, slate of games. So Pitts will be fine too. They just need to get the offense all on the same page. Yeah, uh, halftime of this Raiders Ravens game. Darren Waller has eleven targets. Yep. <laughs> so Kyle Pitts is third in targets firmly. <laughs> but uh let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. Steelers with the upset on the road, winning twenty-three to sixteen. And my biggest winner was the Pittsburgh defense. Sixteen points allowed, they had three sacks, four forced fumbles, one fumble recom- recovery. They blocked a punt and took it back for a touchdown. Minka Fitzpatrick, ten tackles. Devin Bush, 10 tackles. Cam Hayward, four tackles, a big sack, and a fumble recovery. And TJ Watt, two sacks. I mean, his defense did it all for the Steelers and pretty much is the only reason they won the game. Yep, my biggest winner, TJ Watt. He got that four-year, $112 million contract, oh, $80 million guaranteed. Three tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. I think the day after he got that contract. So my big winner, TJ Watt, ate them up. Uh, Josh Allen holding the ball a little too long, looked a little inaccurate, mm-hmm. but it has to. We we knew this defense was elite last year, and they came back and are elite again. They they didn't. It, it seemed like they kind of stopped knowing how to play football towards the end of last year. It was just so strange. It was yeah, it was weird. I mean, you had what happened. Bud Dupree get hurt. You had Devin Bush get hurt. So you're mixing in guys that aren't these every down guys and you're expecting them to play every down and fill those holes. And it just really didn't work. Yeah. So their defense regressed last year, but 
it looks like it's right back to where it was at the beginning of last year when they were like 11 and 0. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, Steelers defense, very good. The Buffalo Bills offense was supposed to be this high flying unit led by Josh Allen, and they looked bad. They were my biggest loser. <laughs> Bills yeah. offense. They led in yards and time of possession. Opening kickoff of the game, Isaiah McKenzie took it 75 yards to the Pittsburgh 24-yard line. Three and out, they kick a field goal. After that, they had three straight fumbles, or three straight punts, followed by a Josh Allen fumble on their fourth possession. They had two possessions in the second half where they turned it over on downs. I mean, only two of the drives were over 40 yards the whole game. It It was bad, bad offense. Yep. Uh, my biggest loser I put as Najee Harris. He had a. <laughs> Is that a don't overreact. Don't overreact. <laughs> that... don't, hey, don't overreact. Okay. Well, well, Najee, he got a hundred percent of all running back touches. He got, but yep. he turned out forty-five yards on sixteen carries and four yards on one reception. That's not great. We no. knew this O line was going to look bad this season. And it looked bad in the run game. I mean, Najee was running into the backs of guys. He was getting hit in the backfield. Buffalo has a, a decent defense, but it's nothing to write home about. But they did add a lot of D-line. So, I I don't know. It's It worried me before with how bad their O-line is. And this game didn't give me any solace. That's fair. But again, the biggest <laughs> thing is... He got 100% of the work. So if they can get back to that Lev Bell-style offense where you're hitting him on swings, on screens, get it out to the flat, let the guy make a play, get him the targets on third and short. You don't need to continue to try to pass the ball on third and short to the wide receivers when you're Rookie running back is that good. Yeah. I, I ain't going to complain, you know. <laughs> you got <laughs> my guy Deontay Johnson is Roethlisberger's favorite third and short target. But I think Najee will be fine. He's a rookie. Eventually, they'll get a lineman in here that's good. I mean, they they got it eventually. You would, <laughs> you would hope, but it's... Okay, so the thing that concerned me the most is they were splitting Najee out, and Ben wasn't even looking at him when he was running routes. That that's the problem. He was he wouldn't look at the right side of the field if Najee was on the right side of the field, split out. He was just oh Deontay and Juju are on my left, so I'm just gonna look to the left, which is fair. Yeah. I mean they're not bad receivers, yeah. but I they're they're splitting him out and Matt Canada is like drawing up some schemes for him in the pass game, but it just doesn't seem like Ben's that interested in in working on it with him. But again, we'll see. And that kind of leads to my other loser, which was Ben Roethlisberger. Eighteen for thirty two, only hundred and eighty eight yards, one touchdown, the loft to the corner to Deontay Johnson. Their longest fantastic catch, incredible, incredible concentration for a guy that has had his fair share of drops so far in his career. So I like to see that. Yeah. But I mean, their largest or their longest drive in the first half was six plays in twenty-five yards, 
that's usually not good. I mean, they punted five times in the first half, and Roethlisberger, he can't really do play action anymore uh, because he can't fake it with his back to the defense and turn around and throw the ball fast enough. So that, that might be an issue going forward. I mean, we talked about Roethlisberger and how much he has left in the tank. Um, but the legs seem to be becoming a problem with him. Yeah, I I came, I went to my parents' house for the Packer game, and I, I came in and I was like, gosh, Big Ben looks old. And my mom's like, nah, he just scrambled for a first down. He got eight yards. <laughs> they showed the replay, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> damn, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> He's probably in pain. Yeah. So yeah, Big Ben, not not my favorite quarterback. Uh, like I said, when when we did the sophomore slump and jump, we were talking about Chase Claypool's upside, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, it's capped because of Big Ben's limitations in the deep passing game. I mean, having that elbow surgery, it's definitely going to be an issue going yeah. forward, and. We were hoping that this would be the year that he kind of recovers from it and he'll be back to normal-ish, but it it seems like he's pretty limited. Yeah, I mean, the wide receivers still turned out pretty pretty good games. I mean, Deontay Johnson, 5 for 10, 36 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Claypool took one carry for 25 yards, and then other than that, 3 for 5, 45 yards, and then Juju, 4 for 8, 52 yards. So, I mean, they're... They, they love throwing the ball still, and Roethlisberger has no problem throwing the ball 30-plus times a game. It's it's just all going to be coming down to how fast he's getting that ball out to these guys when they have a little bit of separation. And like you said, if, if you can loft a couple up there and let Deontay and Claypool stretch the field a little bit, it's going to make Najee's job easier because <laughs> then you're yeah. going to be – keeping DBs more honest and then going to give him more space to work. But the last thing I want to touch on in this game was I had one more winner and that was Devin Singletary. So we got the news about an hour before kickoff that Zach Moss was going to be scratched for the game. Random. Uh, But Singletary took his 14 touches and turned it into 80 yards. 11 carries, 72 yards, which is really good. And then uh, three target or three catches on five targets for eight yards. He got the work. And if you throw a touchdown on that score, I mean, that's that's a nice fantasy score. Yeah. Uh, so I Zach Moss was kind of dinged up all of training camp. And he had like a ankle sprain or something that came up probably a week before and it was holding out of practices so i think this might be like a load management type of thing for zach moss he was hurt a lot last year too so i i could imagine this is probably injury related and it'll get released later on mm-hmm. i'm sure but yeah that's my outlier zach moss being zach moss. out i don't think that that he's gonna be like some healthy scratch week in and week out because he he was one of their more 
he was more productive than Devin Singletary last season. Yeah. So I don't see why he, they would come in and and scratch him if they're not planning on, like I don't I don't see them just not using Zach Moss for the rest of the season. You know? Especially for a guy like Matt Breida. I mean, right? When, exactly. When that's your third back, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, someone that doesn't have a problem at running back. Never. The Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Played the New York Jets, uh, won 19-5, covered the four-and-a-half spread by one-half point. They sure did. <laughs> uh, my biggest winners, Corey Davis and Christian McCaffrey. So, Corey Davis finished as, or is currently the wide receiver five. Uh 26.7 PPR points, five receptions, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Seems like Zach Wilson's guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, someone someone that he trusts. Uh, and then Christian McCaffrey reclaiming his spot, RB1, 27.7 fantasy points, PPR. He had 21 carries for 98 yards. He had nine receptions on nine <laughs> targets for 89 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, no, and he had 27, 27 fantasy points. Yeah. So this this is the definition of consistency. I mean, when Christian McCaffrey plays, chalk up 25 fantasy points and move on to the rest of your lineup because this guy is just the best. He's a generational fantasy guy, just period. He really is. And it is just incredible it doesn't matter what the game script is he's the entire offense always even with the new head coach it's and a new quarterback and it's just like nine (laughs) catches he's running back so it's like and Uh. even and that's even like you look at it in standard still 18 points it's just solid yeah 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 yeah, I also had Corey Davis as a winner. I, I also had Sam Darnold got the revenge game. I mean, he looked pretty good. Didn't outside of a fumble, but he <laughs> he didn't make any horrific plays. And then my last winner was the Panthers defense. Yep, six sacks, one interception. Shaq Thompson was a monster. He had ten tackles, one sack, and three pass deflections. Uh, so this was one of the more under the radar defenses going into the season, but it looks like all these young guys are in fact like playing to their potential. Yeah. That Hassan Reddick additions definitely paying dividends right away because mm-hmm. he, he had what two sacks this game. 1.5. So, yeah. 1.5 sacks. He looked good. I mean, Brian Burns is a beast. So we, we were hyping up this defense for a couple weeks now. Yep. So, Nothing new if you listen to the pod. I mean, that's facts. And uh, <laughs> if you listen to the pod, you should also know that the biggest losers would be these Jets running backs. Because uh, all three of them were disgusting. Ty Johnson, four carries. I'm going to Go ahead. Go ahead. Ty Johnson, four carries, 15 yards. One reception, 11 yards. Michael Carter, four carries, six yards. One catch, 14 yards. Tevin Coleman, nine carries. 24 yards. None of them had over five points. It was a true committee, yeah, and it was awful. Yeah, this is the the old 
saying where someone's got to catch the ball, you know, in, in bad offenses. But in this case, it's someone's got to get rushing yards. <laughs> but no, they don't because no. it's a bad offense. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Corey Davis is apparently the only guy that's going to be fantasy relevant unless you like Braxton Berrios. <laughs> nope. I do not. Yeah, no. Uh, so my, my loser is Elijah Moore, uh, 0.7 fantasy points, uh, one catch negative three yards. Yeah. It, it was not good Uh, for him. Uh, yeah. Finishes the wide receiver 113. Every other rookie wide receiver looked pretty good. 113. God. Yeah, that's what that's what point seven points will get uh, oh you these my days. Terrence Marshall but, showed up three catches on six targets, twenty six yeah, yards. He, he didn't. Uh, he didn't look bad. Jamar Chase looked good. Devontae Smith cool. looked good. I mean, yeah, and we'll get to Jamar Chase on the on the next one. Uh, and if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sure we'll hit him later. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, oh, Jalen Waddle was the other one. Yeah, and he looked good too. Mm-hmm. So. Unfortunately, Elijah Moore did not look great. I mean, he got all the training camp hype and did not deliver. Corey Davis is your guy in this offense and seems like he might be the only guy. Yeah, and what's even more disappointed is that Jamison Crowder didn't play in this game. You thought Elijah Moore was going to be that guy in the slot, and he just didn't go to him. I I really yeah. I, I didn't watch any of this game, so I I don't know how they scored 14 points <laughs> looking at what I'm looking at here um, outside of Corey Davis. I don't know how they moved the ball down the field. Yeah. So my outlier is one of the Zach Wilson halves because <laughs> in the first half, Zach Wilson was six for 16 with 84 yards and a pick in the second half. He was 14 for 21 with 174 yards and two touchdowns. So it was like two different guys. We got the Jekyll and Hyde action. Yeah. So that (laughs) one of them is going to be an outlier. One of these Zach Wilson's, (laughs) unless he's just going to be an inconsistent guy his whole career. One of these Zach Wilson's is going to be the real Zach Wilson. (laughs) So I like uh, that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they had a lot of their, their best play came in their last two drives and i think zach wilson had like a hundred and something passing yards in their last drive because of penalties (laughs) there you go that's one way to move it down the field yep juiced up the stats a little bit uh but yeah i i think zach wilson will be okay but Corey davis seems like he's the biggest winner because you got him late in drafts. Mm-hmm. We were telling you to hit him up late in drafts. Yep. And he is the guy. It is his true wide receiver one breakout season. Uh, my last winner is James Morgan because he's the Panthers backup now, and he is no longer on the Jets. So shout Ooh. out to James Morgan for getting out of New York. Shout out to James Morgan. Now he gets to live uh, in Carolina, Carolina instead of New York. And that, that's a positive for some reason. Hey, he's going to be winning football games that's <laughs> in true. Carolina that's true. in New York. 
Oh, all right. Well, don't know a smooth transition from winning football games to either of these teams. <laughs> but the Bengals beat the Vikings 27-24 in overtime. Yes. Uh, my biggest winner, Jamar Chase. Easily. Easy as that. Yep. Yep. Five for seven, uh, 101 yards, and a touchdown with zero drops. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, he looked really good. He looked really good. He, uh, he, as soon as he got that touchdown – and he turned, he looked at the camera, he gave that primal roar. It was cold. It was good to see. Yep. Good to see. Proof yep. that preseason means nothing. It's true. Uh, the preseason truly means nothing. Uh, my biggest loser is Vikings fans because they're going to have to watch this team for another year. Yeah, my, big, my biggest loser was Dalvin Cook. Uh, granted, mm-hmm. he still put up a 20-point fantasy point day, um, but... His touchdown was kind of luck. It came with nine minutes to go in the fourth, thanks to Jeff- Justin Jefferson being called down at the one, and that, that's the only reason Dalvin got the touchdown. Even though he was not down. <laughs> he wasn't. No, <laughs> Which no. Was, I mean, I'll take it as a Dalvin Cook owner. Yeah, but, I, I know. But, yeah, and then he also basically lost him the game in overtime. He fumbled on the Cincinnati 38 with under two minutes to go in overtime. Bengals recover. They go down, kick the field goal, and win the game. So fantasy perspective, Dalvin still did fantastic, as he does just like, you know, McCaffrey. I mean, you can usually chalk Dalvin in for 20 a game. Uh, but he he did lose the Vikings game in real life. Yeah, as uh, the – the ADP number two overall guy. I mean, he he did fine. He got you what you expected, but unfortunately, that that's gonna be a tough one for Vikings fans to swallow. Uh, my my outlier is Justin Jefferson's bad performance. Uh, he had twelve point five PPR points, which isn't bad. I mean, five receptions, seventy one yards is definitely respectable, but it's kind of disappointing after seeing what you saw last year. He only had six games under 10 points, but five of those came when he played less than 70% of snaps. As soon as he hits that 70% snap threshold, he's getting 14 plus. That That's from last year. He had one game where he didn't, and that was against Tampa Bay. He had 10 fantasy points. So this is going to be an outlier game. Justin Jefferson will be fine. So don't worry about him. What are we not overreacting to here? I didn't really see anything that would have been too alarming. It didn't seem like anyone was underperforming. I mean, Justin Jefferson would be the guy, which you basically covered. I mean, you're usually getting closer to that uh, 15 to 18 points from him as as an average, I would say. Unless, of course, K.J. Osborne becomes Kirk Cousins' favorite receiver on the team. (laughs) <laughs> that might lead to a little pause pause for concern, but other than that, <laughs> I think it's fine. Yep, I, I also think it's fine. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is Jared Goff's favorite guy. He sure um, is. Big winner. Tight end three. Yeah, tight end three on the week. Uh, I have Detroit's offensive players as the winner on the week because they didn't suck like everybody expected them to. <laughs> I said Lions uh, spirit. yeah jared goff is qb8 deandre swift rb2 
Jamal Williams, RB3, and TJ Hawkinson, tight end three, all finished with over 23 fantasy points. Swift and Williams, 25 apiece. Goff with 25, and Hawkinson with 23.7. This was such a weird game because Detroit was down big early, and then they kind of came crawling back. 49ers end up winning 41 to 33 but the lions got the onside kick towards the end and definitely were making niners fans sweat there is a whole lot of garbage time in this whole game (laughs) i mean they they scored 16 points in the last two minutes and almost cut down their they're on their own 24 with the last play of the game and when they turned it over on downs so i mean I, I, this is like overreaction. Do overreact to this. Don't expect a yeah. hundred points across four players on the Detroit Lions ever again. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Like you said, TJ Hawkinson, big winner. <laughs> Lions spirit <laughs> said, cause they fought till the end, till the clock hit zero. So they were a big winner. Uh, Dan Campbell would be proud. Well, my biggest loser for uh, this game is people who roster 49er running backs. <laughs> because it always, you can never pick the right one. It's like playing roulette. You put the ball, it spins around, and it lands on one of them. I mean, it was it was chalked up to be a Mostert game. And then Mostert goes down. And so... Obviously, it's Elijah Mitchell. Why Why wouldn't it be, you know? Everybody thought that Trey Sermon was going to be the handcuff, but clearly it's it's been Elijah Mitchell the whole time. Foolish for us to not realize that. Yeah, my biggest losers were Raheem Mostert owners, Trey Sermon owners, and Brandon Ayuk owners. Ayuk, really weird game, has no injury designation going into the game. The death chart comes out. And he's, like, fifth on the depth chart. And then they explained it was due to his hamstring injury, although they didn't give him an injury designation. The guy didn't see a target. He returned one punt for seven yards right before the half. Was never seen from again. Yeah, he's my outlier. I mean, I assume that this is going to be an outlier game for Brandon Ayuk, given how involved he was last season and that Shanahan said he was their favorite wide receiver in the draft and they were surprised that he fell so far. But, yeah, what a strange, strange thing. I mean, that's kind of the same thing with the backfield where it's like oh who's gonna play and now Shanahan's gonna start doing with the receivers he's gonna start throwing Trent Sherfield out there I, I I hope not at least at least we can count when Debo Samuel's healthy he's gonna score points yeah when he's healthy and yeah <laughs> watch Jalen Hurd come in and all of a sudden have a a nine for 15 game for 150 yards or something stupid like that just out of nowhere Oh man. Yeah, there's I think this a majority of this game was just outlier after outlier after outlier. I mean, the Debo game 9 for 12, 189 yards, one touchdown. All came from that one big play. <laughs> exactly. 
And then you got, like, the 49ers defense. Dre Greenlaw gets a pick six. Yet they still give up the 33 points. Yep. So it's it was a really weird game. I would take every single thing in this game with a grain of salt. Probably outside of TJ Hawkinson. He's going to be the best fantasy contributor on the Lions by far. Yeah, I I also like DeAndre Swift. I mean, at the price that you got that you got him in drafts, he's he's definitely gonna outperform that. So he's not gonna be the RB two every week, but I, he'll be solid. They use him in the past game. Uh, Jamal Williams is the handcuff to have, so don't hate it. Uh, another weird game: Texans Jags. Uh, Texans won thirty seven to twenty one. Uh, my biggest winner: Brandon Cooks. That's fair. He had an excellent game. Um, yeah. I went with his distributor in Tyrod Taylor as my biggest winner. Yeah. Getting the chance to start again. 21 for 33, 291 yards, two touchdowns. He had four carries for 40 yards, something that people probably don't remember, that Tyrod was a pretty good rushing quarterback when he was with Buffalo. So, like you said, I mean – Brandon Cooks, clearly the number one target. Five catches, seven targets, 132 yards. I mean, he was smoking these Jaguar defenders. And then this offense just was surprising in general. My other winners were their running backs. The Texan running backs who we preached, don't touch, don't go near these guys. (laughs) All three of them have a touchdown. We we meant go after all of them, is what we meant. It, it was opposite day when we said that. <laughs> Who would have thought Mark Ingram was going to tote the rock 26 times in their opening day? The man looked cooked in his <laughs> last season with the Ravens. I just I didn't expect him to go to the Texans and have a career revival. I mean, I didn't think it was like the, the Phoenix Suns or the San Antonio Spurs, you know? <laughs> it was just... Mark Ingram, 26 carries, 85 yards, one touchdown. David Johnson, three carries, 10 yards, three for four through the air for 18 yards and a touchdown. And then Phil Lindsay, eight carries, 25 yards and a touchdown. It's just just so weird. My biggest outlier is the Texans. (laughs) You know who else had a fantastic game? Danny Amendola, five for five, 34 yards and a touchdown. And we joked about Amendola last week about being a pickup. Like I said, it was opposite day. (laughs) I guess. And I wish it was opposite day when we were talking about Urban Meyer not knowing what he's doing. But clearly he doesn't because the biggest loser was by far James Robinson who only carried the ball five times for 25 yards, got three receptions on six targets through the air for 29 yards. Urban Meyer clearly didn't watch this team once last year. He probably has no clue about this team's personnel, that James Robinson was really good at at football last year. You know, <laughs> Carlos Hyde hasn't been good since 2016. He, probably, he hasn't been good since he was on Ohio State with Urban Meyer. 
That's why that's why Urban Meyer still thinks he's good because he's like, hey, you know, what have you done for me lately? Oh, just inexcusable, inexcusable. Uh, yeah, my biggest loser is the Jaguars because they have Urban Meyer as a coach. <laughs> that's fair. That is. We said it before. This is first coach fired. First coach fired. First coach fired. It has to be. Doesn't make it through the year. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, the wide receivers did pretty good for the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, rough game. Three touchdowns, but three interceptions. He threw the ball a lot. Um, so my biggest don't overact was uh, DJ Chark. He only had three catches for 86 yards and a touchdown, but he did see 12 targets. So he seems to be the top dog. In the wide receiver room, even though LaVisca Chenault had nine targets, I think Marvin Jones also had nine targets. So, I mean, if if they're going to suck like this, I didn't think the Jags were going to be this bad. <laughs> they played the Texans, of course. We thought it was just going to be a complete dumpster fire, and then the Jags get washed. So, like I said, another really weird game. Yeah. The Jags haven't won a game in a calendar year. They haven't won since week one last year. I feel bad for James Robinson, man. <laughs> Maybe the Ravens should trade for him. Oh, you know, you know, a team that has an undrafted running back that's really good. The Seattle Seahawks. They won twenty-eight to sixteen. Uh, Chris Carson had a pretty solid game. Uh, my biggest winner is Russell Wilson's MVP case. <laughs> That's what I had. We're it is laying. September, so he is MVP. Yep, we're we're laying the foundation for this MVP case. Uh, he's eighteen for twenty three, two hundred fifty four yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, he he looked good. Uh, Tyler Lockett was his main man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerald Everett picked up a touchdown. DK didn't have a great game, but I mean, it it was fine. Uh, yeah, Russell Wilson MVP baby. Yeah, he didn't really throw the ball that much, which was kind of the reason behind like DK's subpar game. I mean, he still had 16 points, which is what you yeah. would expect, but that was heavily relied on the touchdown. And then Lockett blew the top off. I mean, th- this is what Russell Wilson looks like. Every single year, they'll be 4-0. They're going to say he's the MVP. And then all of a sudden, October hits, <laughs> and he goes back to being... You will be Mr. Limited. Yep. I mean, I, <laughs> I really didn't have much else on this game. It was pretty straightforward with just the Seahawks offense. The guys on the Seahawks offense did what you expected them to do. I mean, the only person that I expected anything from on the Colts side was Jonathan Taylor, and he did that, so. Yep. Yep. I had uh, the biggest loser was the Colts wide receivers. Uh, Both of the running backs outpaced them in targets and receptions. Uh, Zach Pascal Pascal was the best receiver Mm -hmm. in terms of fantasy. He had 20 points, but that's because he had two touchdowns. He only had four receptions, 43 yards on five targets. Michael Pittman, who we thought was going to be the top dog in this room, only had four targets, three receptions, 29 yards, five 
8.9 fantasy points. Yep. So Jonathan Taylor had six receptions, seven targets, 60 yards. Naheem Hines had six receptions on eight targets for 48 yards. So a lot of checking down. We thought that was going to kind of subside with Wentz coming in with Phillip Rivers leaving, mm-hmm. but doesn't look like it. Nope, not at all. And Wentz still struggles with ball security. Yep. Holds the ball too long. Well, that's 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 enough for that game. Yeah. Uh, somebody that, game. that holds the ball for too long, and it turns into good things. Kyler Murray. That boy is crazy. QB1 with 33.6 fantasy points, 21 for 32, 283 yards through the air, four touchdowns and one pick. He also had five rushes for 20 yards and a touchdown. So Kyler looks like Kyler again. Uh yeah, I I mean, he's my winner. He it's, looks it's Kyler. Yeah, he, he looked, looked fantastic. So he good. looked he looked healthy. He looked fast. He looked like he was making great decisions. His throws were on point. Hopkins was like back to Hopkins mm-hmm. old. I mean, he had six receptions on eight targets, eighty three yards, two touchdowns. One of those was just disgusting with that back of the end zone toe tap. Yes. Ugh. I mean, the the second one, too, caught it at, like, the five, and then all of a sudden was turned around yeah. in a dead sprint <laughs> to the end zone. Yep. Yeah. Hopkins was my other winner, along with Murray. I mean, those guys just were in complete control of the game. Just Kyler's ability to extend a play and then just, like, throw the it just looks like he's chucking the ball just straight in the air and all of a sudden it's just landing perfectly right on a guy it's yep oh that fun to watch i like that yep the, that whole cardinals offense looked good with rondell moore christian kirk was getting some action aj yep. green looked pretty decent yep. I, mean, I mean everybody was getting chase edmonds looked fast James Conner looks slow. I mean, everybody was just firing on all cylinders except James Conner. The defense looked really good, too. Chandler Jones went crazy. If you have IDP and you had Chandler Jones in your starting lineup, guess what? You won your week. Yeah. Because uh, he had five sacks, two forced fumbles. Uh, Isaiah Simmons looked good too. Mm-hmm. He had a pick, had a bunch of tackles. <clears throat> Buda Baker looked good. He had, I think, ten tackles too. I mean, there's you can't say it enough. I mean, Zayvon Collins, he's kind of getting the Isaiah Simmons treatment that, <laughs> that Isaiah Simmons got last year. Yep. Uh, Jordan Hicks is still on this team and he's still good. So mm-hmm. I mean, Zayvon might not get the workload we expected him to, but. The defense looked pretty solid, held the Titans to 13. Yeah, Titans looked awful. I mean, just completely awful. My biggest loser was the Titans receivers. I mean, Chester Rogers led the team with 62 receiving yards. This is a team that has A.J. Brown and brought in Julio Jones in the offseason. My biggest loser. I, I mean, Julio Jones was my don't overreact. But, yeah, he is definitely a loser in this game. It, yep. Very seldom is Julio going to finish just with three catches for 29 yards. He's a very good wide receiver. Might be the best wide receiver yep. in the last decade. So yeah, not bad. Uh, let's not overreact. And then A.J. Brown's day was saved with a late touchdown. So the wide receivers should see more work. I mean, Tannehill 
threw it 21 times. He was 21 for 35, 212 yards, one touchdown, one reception. He got his rushing touchdown, which saved his production on the day. Granted, he still only finished with about 14 fantasy points. Then the guy that probably would you'd say is the biggest outlier, but is something still worth noting, is Derrick Henry. Because mm. you don't often see Derrick Henry 17 carries, only 58 yards. That's tough sledding. Yeah. And yeah, he looked he looked bad in the first half. He looked like he like it didn't look like Derrick Henry was running the ball because running, he was getting stopped by one yeah one defender, which is just strange. And he was going down at the line of scrimmage. He wasn't really falling forward. The second half, he looked a lot better. So that that was something positive that that Titans fans can hang on to. Uh, my biggest outlier was the O-line play, just in general, because the Titans' O-line has been solid. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Lewan was that anchor. He tore his ACL, and he came back for this game. And Chandler Jones took advantage of him uh, kind of being a little rusty. And so I think the O-line play will be better going forward. The defense is going to suck, and so the ceiling for the offense should only go up. Yeah. So, so I I I think the O line play should get better. Lawan should get better. He's one of the better left tackles in the league when healthy. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, this team's gonna be forced into a lot of shootouts, which should benefit all the receivers. And obviously, when Derrick Henry is doing Derrick Henry things out there, this team functions a lot better. Yeah. Uh team that was functioning pretty well the los angeles chargers beat the football team 20 to 16 my biggest winner mike williams uh eight receptions on 12 targets 82 yards and a touchdown uh this is one of those mike williams games that this is what you draft him for you get that depressed adp you pick him up and he has this big 22 point game finishes his wide receiver 14 on the week and you're happy and hold on to that for now all right remember keep that in the back pocket so on one of those days he has 4.8 fantasy points you can pull that back out and like rub the picture and be like yeah he's watching your 14 week one (laughs) yeah remember that by far the biggest winner and the best part was he didn't get hurt so yep yep (laughs) so hopefully he he they just don't have him practice at all Till just <laughs> run him out in the next game and keep doing it like that, and hopefully he, he stays as the wide receiver two on this team because when he's when he's right, he's really good. Yep, and their wide receiver one, Keenan Allen, still outpaced him in targets, still outpaced him in receptions. He didn't get the touchdown, but he had more yards. Uh, finishes wide receiver twenty two, had eighteen PPR points. Uh, the biggest loser of this game is the football team offense, just because they lose Ryan Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. with that hip subluxation. That's going to put a damper on the big expectations we had for Terry McLaurin, uh, for maybe Deami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, 
JD McKissick. I mean, there's a lot of guys, Logan Thomas, that we had our sights on that Taylor Heineke might not be able to service as much. Yeah. Uh, my biggest loser was Ryan Fitzpatrick in general. Uh, you got knocked out in the game in the second quarter. And if Heineke's playing well, uh, Fitzpatrick might lose his job. I mean, the way Heineke played in that playoff game last year was really promising. So if you see that carry over to this year, um, Fitzpatrick, I mean, a hip is just devastating to any sort of professional athlete. So it, it could be the, it, it'll be interesting if this is the last we see of Fitzpatrick or if he can come yeah, back. Yeah. Fitzpatrick ain't no spring chicken. No, not in the slightest. So I, I, yeah, I feel really bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick because I remember hearing him before the season. He's like, I finally have a team that believes in me yeah. that is outright saying I'm the starting quarterback. I'm QB one. And then he goes down like that. I mean, oh yeah. So tough. Yeah. And then my last, uh, thing on this game was don't overreact to, uh, Austin Eckler, uh, 15 carries, 57 yards, one touchdown, but didn't see a target, didn't have a catch. Um, first game since week 17 of 2018 that he didn't have a reception. And uh, first game since week 10 of 2019 where he didn't have a target. So very unlikely that Austin Eckler goes target and receptionless ever again. Yeah, that was strange because that, that's where he kind of makes his, his money is in those short passes. I mean, that's kind of CMC-like the way he racks up PPR points, mm-hmm. just getting those those short yardage PPR flats, curls, angles, all that stuff coming out of the backfield. Uh, yeah, my biggest outlier is Antonio Gibson's inefficiency in the pass game because he had three receptions for only 18 yards uh, on five targets. J.D. McKissick only got one target. We were worried about J.D. McKissick versus Antonio Gibson's reception ratio and target ratio, and it looks like they're using Antonio Gibson in the passing game, which is really nice. So uh, we'll see. The former receiver is going to turn those receptions into yards more often than not. So... I think that this kind of six yards per catch is a, a bit of an outlier. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, they made the emphasis that he would be the three down back. He he did see a large majority of the three down work. And when you lose your quarterback in a game, it's it just shakes everything up. So, I mean, you guys start the mental aspect of the game kicks in and it, it's hard to just continue playing football uh, when you lose your leader, uh, which is usually your quarterback on offense. Yep. Uh, the best leader in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes played against the Cleveland Browns, one thirty-three to 29. Uh, the biggest winner is the Mahomes Tyreek stack. Yeah. Because, yeah. (laughs) Finished as the QB2 and wide receiver 2, respectively. Mahomes with 33.28 fantasy points on 27 for 36. 337 yards and three touchdowns. And Tyreek Hill had 38.1 PPR points 
11 receptions, 15 targets, 197 yards, and a touchdown, which was a 75-yard touchdown where Patrick Mahomes was just like, oh, my guy's over there somewhere. Uh, and Tyreek Hill used to be known as this boom-bust guy, but now he's getting 15 targets a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is nuts. And, like, if you're throwing it, to a guy that can get that 75-yard touchdown 15 times a game, odds are he's taking the top off at least once and getting you that long yep. touchdown reception. I mean, yeah. I I guess Patrick Mahomes is 7-4 and four in games where he's been trailing by double digits. In games <laughs> he's trailing by double digits. He is 7-4. and so That's insane. Mahomes was by far my biggest winner in this game. Uh, my biggest loser was McCall Hardman. He's getting gassed up mm. all offseason as being the number three wide receiver. Well, guess what? He's not Kelsey and he's not Tyreek Hill. Those guys had oh, combined 22 targets. I think the rest of the team had under 10. <laughs> so... Yeah, I wouldn't be looking. That's all right. If if you're listening to the Firestarters podcast, you would know this already. So it, it's all right. This is true. Ben, I mean, on the Cleveland side, outside of losing the game, I mean, Nick Chubb was really good. Krim Hunt was really good. My guy. Travis Landry was really good. Baker, subpar. He's he's My biggest loser. He's never going to be a high touchdown guy. It's just yep. you have the best running back room in the league. It's just not going to be a thing. I mean, even Jarvis Landry had a rushing touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. So, yeah, my biggest loser is Baker Mayfield. Uh, we were talking about, like, if Baker can go up that level and become a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. And I, I said no just because of games like this where you need that one drive out of Baker to take you all the way down the field and get you that touchdown to get the dub, and he throws a pick. Yep. It's just like that. that's the thing that you're missing with this Browns team. So Baker's my biggest loser. It's unfortunate, but he played well up until then. He plays really well in-game script. He plays really well out of play action in space. But once he has to sit in shotgun, they know you're passing. It gets a little dicey for Baker. Yeah, he, he's not the game winner. The put the ball in his hands and let him go run a two-minute offense and bring you to a game-winning drive. He, it's just, which is unfortunate because he's got all the charisma, he's got all like the famousness to him, but that is the one thing that he lacks in his game. And uh, my biggest outlier is a Brown, Anthony Schwartz. Uh, he basically only played as much as he did because Odell was out. Yep. So once Odell's back in this lineup, Anthony Schwartz is going to go to being a guy that might get two passes a game on bombs because he's really fast. Yep. But that's why he wasn't in our waiver report. I mean, he's he's not going to be relevant as soon as Odell's back. And you probably see him bumped below Donovan Peoples-Jones in the depth chart anyways, so he's not going to be on the field. He's not going to be running routes. 
tough to be effective when you aren't getting offensive snaps. It's true. Uh, someone that was getting offensive snaps and still wasn't productive is Mike Gusecki. Yeah. Uh, tight end for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, had two targets, zero receptions. Had one point in our league because he had a tackle. <laughs> That's positive. Uh, but he he was one of to his guys last year. He's my biggest loser. Yeah. Um, of that game, he was one of two his guys last year. He seemed to be one of the targets in preseason, but Waddle might be taking a lot of his targets. I mean, he had six targets, four receptions, sixty-one yards, and a touchdown. They were throwing these. They were running them on bubbles. They were running them on slants. They were running them on drags. I mean, they're getting Waddle the ball. They're getting Waddle open. And Tua likes to hit him, and he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I I like what they're doing with Waddle. Uh, yeah, I Gusecki might not be the guy. Yeah, especially when you got Miles Gaskin too getting a load of the work in the backfield. A guy that's really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you don't need that tight end safety blanket when you have the RB safety blanket and the wide receiver safety blanket. So if they're going to cater to Tua's short passing, which it seems like they're going to uh, just to be safer, uh, it's it's going to take a toll on Gusecki, especially when like Waddle is incredible with the ball in his hands. So it's like, why try to force the ball to a guy that's going to get it and then get tackled right away when you could get it to a playmaker and let him work and it's probably going to be an easier pass to complete and it's probably going to net more yards yep uh yeah mac jones completed a lot of easy passes uh he looked really good really crisp he's finding open guys he's taking the easy throws just taking what the defense gave him a lot of janu a lot of hunter henry he was targeting jacoby myers i think uh Aguilar was their leading receiver. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the Patriots looked fine. Uh, the Dolphins also looked fine. It was a pretty ugly game down to the end. Uh, my, but my biggest winner is Mac Jones. He looked good in his first NFL action. He wasn't shit in the bed throwing bad interceptions. I mean, he, he looked like a competent NFL quarterback. So... Yeah, my biggest winner, Miami Dolphins. Or, <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Yeah, my biggest winner was Damian Harris. He had the full reins of the RB room for New England. 23 carries, 100 yards. Uh, two for three, 17 yards through the air. Uh, he did fumble once. Uh, but, yeah, he got to tote the rock, and he delivered. And that kind of led to my biggest loser being Ramondre Stevenson, who, on the second drive, had one carry for two yards, and then he... Had a catch for nine yards, got hit, fumbled, and then he got the Ronald Jones treatment. He did not come back into the game after that second drive. It was all Damon Harris, all James White from there on out. Kind of disappointing because you thought Ramondre Stevenson was going to be this big, maybe goal line back, you know, but they were giving Damon Harris a lot of the work, and they're, James White is a safety blanket, you know, at the running back position for catching the ball. So it's 
you're not going to go away from the guy that's established in the offense to a young guy that just fumbled the ball type of thing. So, yeah, the, the thing is, like I said before, with the Arians offense, it's kind of how Bill Belichick also operates. If you're giving the ball away, you're not going to play very much, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a rookie running back. So Ramondre got pulled early. And so my biggest outlier is Damian Harris's 23 carries because I don't think he's going to be getting that much work just based on the fact that they were planning on using Ramondre early. Mm-hmm. And then he did give a cough up the ball. So, I mean, I, they yanked him, and then James white getting a lot of work late after Damian Harris fumbled. So it, it seems like Bill Belichick, they're going to have – all of them are going to have a short leash because they have a deep running back room. They didn't even use J.J. Taylor, who yep. people thought might be a little bit relevant. But, yeah, I, I think that 23 carries is a little much, especially for a Patriots running back because they usually operate by committee. So I I like to see it because it we love Damian Harris on this pod. It's true. But – but I, I don't think that he's going to be seeing that much work very often. Well, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope so after <laughs> the most hurt injury because he's going to be my starter running back from here on out. Oh, man. Uh, someone that you don't have to worry about starting is Alvin Kamara uh, of the New Orleans Saints who routed our Green Bay Packers 38-3. to uh, my biggest winner is LASIK. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Could have said it better yeah. myself. LASIK companies should be taking this game film and putting it in ads all over the place. <laughs> I mean, Jameis Winston, five touchdowns, no picks. Aaron Rodgers looked a lot like Jameis Winston <laughs> with uh, zero touchdowns and two picks. He was just chucking it up for grabs. He threw a red zone interception. I mean, it was super uncharacteristic. So, yeah, uh, biggest winner is LASIK. Biggest loser is us, as in the fans. And uh, my outlier is the awful Packers because I don't think they're going to be around very much. But, yeah, this was gross. Yeah, clearly the biggest winner was Jameis Winston. Gets the chance to start finally again barely has to do anything i mean he was thrown to wide open wide receivers for a large majority of the game and anytime he got any pressure it came from the edges there was no push up the middle so he literally just had to step up in the pocket and then he could run for a first down the biggest losers was anything that was wearing green and gold it was just atrocious and yeah my biggest like don't overreact to was uh marquez calloway he was hyped up as being james's go-to guy you know with mt out and he finished with one catch for 14 yards but james only threw the ball 14 times no one's seen more than four targets and that's including kamara who only had three receptions so diff- game script wise there was no reason to throw the ball more. Uh, Packers were awful. It was a blowout. I'm sure Marquez Callaway will be much more productive as the season goes on. Yeah, I agree. He's clearly their number one guy until MT comes back. I mean, he was getting the Jair blanket. It, it's hard to to get over that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and 
Jameis, we know he can throw it all over the yard, so I, I'm sure he'll have a, a little more positivity coming his way. So I, I agree with that. I, I won't overreact to Marquez being shut down, especially against an all-pro corner like that. But uh, a team that has a potential all-pro corner, the Denver Broncos, uh, Pat Sertain looked fantastic once again. And they played the New York Giants, held them to 13 points. Uh, Daniel Jones is still bad. Uh, Broncos put up 27. My biggest winner was Melvin Gordon. Yeah. He didn't look washed. Nope. He didn't look washed. Everybody thought he was going to be washed. He had 21.8 fantasy points, RB6 on the week. Uh, Still was out-carried by Javante Williams, but he just did more with his carries. He he had that one breakaway off the left side. Yep. didn't exactly burn everybody to the end zone, but he, he scored, so that's all that matters. Yeah, he, he saved his starting position on that team. I'd have to agree Melvin Gordon was definitely a winner. Um, and I would have to agree that Tana Jones is definitely still really bad. The guy can't protect the football. I, no. I don't know why this team hasn't signed a guy like Cam Newton. I don't know why they didn't draft one of the quarterbacks in this draft. It's just... I think the Giants are my least favorite team in the league now. I am now all in on the Eagles. I love Devontae Smith now because <laughs> I got to see it. I got to witness it. And I there's absolutely no situation I want to watch anything with these Giants involved at all. It's disgusting. All right. Sorry, guys. I'm going to rant about Saquon again. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) So I was watching NFL Red Zone, and they're switching to this Denver Broncos-New York Giants game. And I'm like, oh, cool. I get to see Saquon play football again for the first time in a year. Uh, Let's see, see how he's looking. And my man is pass blocking. My man is pass blocking. It's NFL red zone. Guess what? They're in the red zone. And Saquon's pass blocking against Von Miller. What are we doing? What are we? I Okay. Guess what? They have Saquon run routes. If you're not going to have Saquon run routes, have him run the ball. If you're not going to have him run the ball, don't have him in the fucking game. All right? Why... Okay, if we're trying to protect our guy by putting him on a limited snap count, why is he pass blocking? Why are you taking contact intentionally? Aren't we trying to avoid contact? Isn't that the whole point of the of limiting his snaps and load managing him so he doesn't have to get hit? Nah, let's have him hit people because he's a tight end now. He, that's what he does. That that is Saquon Barkley. He is he's a pass blocking running back. He is not a dynamic, athletic, pass catching running back on CMC's level. No, he's a pass blocker. He comes in in situations where he has to protect Daniel Jones' blind side. He's a left tackle. That is what Saquon Barkley is. So stupid. I don't like you, Jason Garrett. Hey, you should just let Daniel Jones get hit. Uh, that's what I would do. Okay, 
You suck. <laughs> Let me try to throw the ball. Hey, I remember I, they had Odell throwing touchdowns. Why not? Just let Saquon chuck it around a little bit. Go, go ahead. Justin Jefferson was throwing it around a bit. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, but my it. biggest losers are Jerry Judy and Saquon. Unfortunately, Judy out with a high ankle four to six weeks. Hopefully, he leans towards that six weeks. It looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Usually, when people come back after four, they tend to get re-injured. And then it's a so snowball effect. Yep. say it. Yeah, stay out that six weeks, let it heal. Saquon, I don't want to talk about it anymore. My outlier is Cortland Sutton's bad game. I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater's got beef with him or what, but I don't know if he, like, stole Teddy's lunch the day before. Like, even after Judy was out, he still wasn't getting targets, so... I don't know. I I think this is going to be a big outlier game, especially now that Judy's going to be out four to six weeks. Cortland Sutton should be getting the lion's share of the targets. There we go. There we go. All right. <laughs> that was a long one. Yeah. The Sutton should be getting the line serve the targets. You would hope so. Yeah. I mean, uh, bottom all is to feed on that uh, Broncos offense. Especially with now KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick probably being more involved. No fan clearly is a target hog too. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, someone that we finally don't have to see about anymore. Matt Stafford on the Los Angeles Rams. He looked fantastic. He's my my biggest winner. Easily. Uh, Throwing bombs. I mean, Sean McVay was scheming wide open people for him. He had Cooper Cup wide open for a touchdown. He hit Van Jefferson on a backside post for a touchdown with a little bit of a hitch in it. I mean, Van <laughs> fell down, got yeah. back up, but hey, scored nonetheless. Counts all the same. Yep, and then Robert Woods got in the action a little bit, scored a touchdown. Daryl Henderson looked good. I mean, this was just a good game all around by the Rams. Uh, biggest loser for me was Andy Dalton. <laughs> Literally everybody is just calling for his head. Everybody just wants to see Fields. Fields came in and scored a touchdown. <laughs> he had fifty percent of their points and he played like seven snaps. <laughs> so uh yeah, my biggest outlier is Robert Wood's performance. He kinda underperformed. If he didn't have that touchdown, it would have been a pretty bad game, but I I'm sure it was it had to be something injury related or something the fact that he wasn't involved at all i mean it was just a little weird that it was so heavily cooper cut i mean that was my prediction was that cooper cup would be his guy um i think chris collinsworth said it about seven times that cooper cup and matt stafford have a two-hour breakfast every single day and watch film I, I I literally every time Cup caught a ball, I swear Collinsworth said that story. Here's a guy <laughs> that that sits with Matt Stafford every morning, and and they they just have breakfast. I mean, they share scrambled eggs together. <laughs> Anyways, Cooper Cup, seven for ten, 
108 yards, touchdown. Looked amazing. Uh, Stafford, the best skill position players he's ever had. The best defense he's ever had. He gets to live in L.A. Outside of Megatron. Uh, sk- skill, like, position, like, as a group. Oh, as, as a, a group. group. As a group. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, he loves this team. This team loves him. Is just so happy. Um, <laughs> I would like to defend Andy Dalton. Because I thought Andy Dalton actually Why? played a pretty good game. <laughs> okay. He was 27 for 38. 26 yards. His one interception that came on the first drive of the game, it was a tipped ball at the line of scrimmage that got picked off. I mean, you can't blame Andy Dalton for that. Andy's playing the Rams defense, which was the only reason he had a fumble, which usually happens to teams playing the Rams defense. So he, you know, the ball was coming out fast. He was making his decisions fast. And he was on time with his passes. Like, if this is a different defense he's playing, these receivers might be able to do a little more work after the catch. I mean, Allen Robinson was 6 for 11 with 35 yards. And Darna Mooney was like, what, 4 for 7 for 16 yards or, or 26 yards or something weird like that. So it's like, when he was getting his receivers the ball, they couldn't do anything after the catch. I mean, he he didn't look bad. He didn't look that bad. I think he is still the starting quarterback for this team. Granted, the idea of him still being the starting quarterback is a whole different conversation because obviously Justin Fields came in, scored a touchdown right away. But I don't think Andy Dalton played that bad, just to say the least. So I, I did call that's, Andy. That's I called Andy Dalton a winner because I think he is still the starting quarterback which is a win in Dalton's I, book. Yeah, I, I think he's still the starting quarterback, too. I mean, do I think it's a mistake? Probably. But, I mean, having fields on ice kind of learning isn't a bad thing. But the people want to see the kid. So that that's just the only reason that he gets in, and it seems like the whole dynamic of the game kind of shifted when he came in. Mm-hmm. Everybody was so happy for him on the Bears when he scored that touchdown. So... I not that I hate Andy Dalton. It's just that I really like Justin Fields, and I want to see him succeed. But it's I mean the Bears can keep him on ice as long as they want as a Packer fan. Agreed. <laughs> but as as a fan of Justin Fields, I I do want to see him play. Yeah, my my other winner was David Montgomery. Sixteen carries, hundred eight yards, and a touchdown. Oof. He looked great. Toten, really good. The first run of the game, just busted it to the right sideline. He looked really good, and he's taken off right where he left off at the end of last year. Yeah, he looked fantastic. He was toting it. I mean, I, all the Bears fans made the joke of the run last year when he busted that big run against the Packers up the middle, and it was kind of reminiscent at the right at the beginning of the game against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, yeah, the, the only other note I have on this game – is Jalen Ramsey looked fantastic. Oh. They're yeah. moving him around the he, formation. He was not that – they were not playing him on a guy, a specific guy. They were moving him around. They were almost playing him like a box safety, it felt like. But, like, yeah, a box safety and a matchup corner. Kind of, it, was, it was weird, but 
man was every tackle it seemed like was Jalen Ramsey and he was like hawking people down in the open field he was getting tackles for loss on wide receivers <laughs> just like yeah blowing plays up it was fantastic yeah, he had nine tackles, two assisted tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass defended. One of, like, an insane game for a cornerback to have. Like, that's a game you expect, like, a Jamal Adams or a Buda Baker to have. Yeah. But Jamal Adams coming out, he came out in that number five jersey, too. He looked clean. Oh, man, that was – oh, he looked good. Yeah, and then sticking on defense, uh, biggest loser was Roquan Smith. Because he had to make literally every play on defense for the Bears and clean up everyone else's mistakes. It was like you would see Daryl Henderson kind of break a little run, get through a massive hole in the line, and then who's got to chase him down? (laughs) It's Roquan Smith, you see, just coming up from behind. I mean, 11 tackles. He, He had to do it all just to give the Bears a chance to even get the offense back on the on the field for him. Yep. And, I mean, 11 tackles, 5 assisted tackles, it ain't too bad. No. I mean, he, he did he did his job, yep. that's for sure. Yep. Oh, man. All right, we're, we're, we're running long. You want to get into your heat check? Um, my heat check is that <laughs> we planned for this pod to be 40 minutes, and, and it is <laughs> now – close to two hours so we're not very good at this but whoops you know good quality content as always uh i'm gonna i'm gonna vent about linebackers wearing single digits i'm gonna go real fast because i know you agree with me yeah i, I uh, hate it. linebackers wearing single digits is dumb i don't like I, I i don't hate it for dbs i don't hate it for receivers I don't like single-digit numbers on running backs, and I don't like single-digit numbers on linebackers. They're too big to be wearing single digits. It looks dumb. Matt Judon, it doesn't look good. Anthony Walker, it doesn't look good. I mean, it's just like across the league, you see these guys. James Conner, bro, take off the single digit. You you look slower. Leonard Fournette, you look slow wearing number seven. I don't know what it is, but running backs and linebackers shouldn't be wearing single digits. That that's it. That's that's all I got for my heat check because we gotta keep it. We gotta we gotta cut this this pod down. <laughs> yeah. Did did you hear like it was Shaq Thompson and another one of the linebackers on Carolina changed their number an hour before the game to a single digit number just to mess with Zach Wilson's head. <laughs> like Shaq Thompson changed like seven and then. Someone else changed a four or something like that. I mean, it worked for Shaq Thompson. Maybe, he went crazy. Maybe maybe that's why he had such a bad first half. <laughs> he was getting used to it. He, he thought he was looking at DBs yeah. and these <laughs> are linebackers bearing down on him. I don't know. He's like, Coach, Coach, is that Joey Sly? <laughs> Joey Sly kicks for the Texans now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right, well, <laughs> that is it for our quick week one recap. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Firestarters podcast once again. Oh, man. Uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>